Hey everyone, as you know, this is Pride Month, and for Pride Month here on the Queer Quadrant, we are highlighting different LGBTQIA plus organizations uh, that we are fans of and that we will be donating to, and we encourage you to donate as well. This week, to close out Pride Month, we are highlighting the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, which is a program centered on the arts and community organizing scene in honor of Marsha P. Johnson's commitment to human rights and showcasing her flair for life and self-determined artistic expression. They do a lot of great things, including artist fellowships, community organizing fellowships to build the capacity of organizers, specifically in the Midwest and the South. Uh, And they also have this amazing coalition called the Freedom Beyond. Beyond Imagination Coalition, which is a program comprised of organizations and individuals that work to build power together for specifically the Black trans community across the U.S. Uh, So we will be donating and we encourage you to do so as well. And if you want to find out more about them, you can find them at MarshaP.org. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Queer Quadrant, a podcast where we, two bisexual filmmakers, examine cinema in all its cultural contexts and explore why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it is. You know, I think that this movie, everyone, you know, sort of coming off of this release, everyone's been talking about, like, one performance in this movie, specifically Hugh Jackman. They're like, Hugh Jackman... Wow. Career best, maybe, Career best, et cetera, et cetera. Oscar snub, you yeah. know, really deserved so much more. I would also like to say that I think there was another character actor within this that deserved the spotlight maybe equally as much for delivering just the goods in like four scenes. Uh-huh. And who would that be, Jordan? Ray Romano. Yeah. I think he is truly one of our finest new character actors, so- supporting actors, really, uh, of the past like couple years, like between this, The Irishman, Get Shorty, sort of everything he's popping up in, he's really giving us so much with not a lot of screen time. Do you know what I mean? He's a great guy. I like that this is the episode that you were like, this is like... This is my... I'm putting all my, my chips on him. on Ray yes. Romano. It's yes. happening. It's here. Yeah, this is the... I mean, we're not going to cover The Irishman. We could. I don't want to. We could be like Al Pacino and it Robert is a love De Niro. story. See, Ella is like... You're like, huh? Thinking about <laughs> Maybe? it. Maybe. Maybe. I wouldn't I'm, be mad about it. Right. Hey, you know, I mean, that's enough for us, we honestly. Can, we can we can make anything happen, but I think that might be an episode that we put in the vault until like 2026. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then We're when, stocking a lot of those up. Yeah, when we've truly covered like every other movie, we'll be like, all right, it's Irishman time. I think that's a good idea. Okay, great. Solid. Well, there was another voice. as you, Well, you already said the name. Yeah, I did. But we're joined <laughs> this week to talk about some not great education some very bad education um and we are joined by the lovely ella kemp a writer at many wonderful publications and obviously a podcaster extraordinaire uh thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me i'm very excited I mean, it's a great film. You said it yourself, right? When you hopped on, like, this movie is so good. It deserved so much. Um, 2019's Bad Education. Really? And in case you're wondering who the other two disembodied voices are, hello. 
I'm Brooke Solomon. <laughs> Jordan Gustafson. <laughs> we love talking about cinema. We love talking about being queer. We love talking about queer cinema. Oh my God. So here we are talking about it on mic. Uh, and this is the conclusion to maybe the most chaotic Pride Month <laughs> I don't of know. all I think, time. You know, I would say this is probably the queerest movie ever made. Uh, this, this I'll, I'll put all my chips on that table. <laughs> is, but um, Ella, so we, we like didn't have any specific like you know creative programming for during pride month so we ended up with literally because every month's pride every month. month is pride month on this podcast but like we ended up with literally the most random spread of movies <laughs> known to man what did you have american psycho bring it on and then heat and now we're here at bad education you know i yeah, that makes I... sense yeah. yeah yeah right there's a totally. thematic tie between everything sure. there are men in all those movies <laughs> that's true i, I guess yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I've got. I'm sorry. Oh no, no that's the me. best take that we've had. We were like, oh, you know, because usually when we have guests on, we're like, of course, whatever they want to do, and we'll just slot them in whenever is convenient. And we were like, oh wait, this is like right, it's Pride Month. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Pride that's Month. A thing. It's Pride Month, but it's cool. What we are doing is we're um, donating to different organizations, um, like every week and highlighting them on mic. So, and the, you will have already heard. But this we're point. also embezzling. We're, you know, we're taking a little off the side. Don't say that. I bought myself a new car. Some jet skis. Mm-hmm. And when you when you fly, are you flying first class, right? Yes. Naturally. With yeah. one seat Just for check. me and one seat for my cat, you know. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Completely. Do you actually think, because like Ella, you are obviously UK based. I don't think I've ever flown. I've never flown to like the UK specifically. I have flown international like one time. Would it actually wow. be twenty thousand dollars? Yes. Yes. It it would be so expensive. Like whenever I I hear the odd story about people who say, "Oh yeah, I got upgraded because my flight was late or they lost my luggage," and I'm just like, "That's you're lying to me. You're not real. Like this doesn't happen." Um, it definitely cost that much, and um, that is one of many reasons why Hugh Jackman's character in this movie is insane. Um, because, like, that's just not possible. Twenty thousand dollars round no. trip, insane. I, I mean, cannot even. Like having booked flights for some people to go over to the UK, and then also having flown to the UK a few times. That number, like feels right which is wow. ridiculous yeah. yeah i know they need to we need to do something about air travel and make it cheaper yeah uh, maybe like a pandemic <laughs> that worked super well for- yeah i've heard about that it doesn't work because then <laughs> right. i just get Not stuck good. in the uk here <laughs> yeah Not fun. I feel like this movie is, as I was mentioning to Brooke off mic, I feel like such a remnant of just before the pandemic because like this premieres at Toronto 2019. And if it like had just waited a little bit longer, they could have got that Oscar nom instead of the Emmy nom when they released it. Look, this film's release. I have I have a lot to say. Here, get on your soapbox. We love this. Yes. (laughs) So, all right, let's go back. To 2019, right? I would love to, yes. <laughs> Please. Would be great. Um, TIFF 2019, I was there. I saw what? this movie at TIFF 2019. Um, and I I loved it, you know, obviously, because it's amazing. But I remember at the time saying it was amazing. And like one of my friends knows the writer, Mike Mikowski, and he was saying like, you know, oh my Mike's God. here, it's great, you love it. Like, you know, everyone was hyped. Um, and then... I think it it then played at London Film Festival, which is the month after Toronto, Mm -hmm. so it was in October. And uh, I remember lots of people being hyped about it, and I was thinking, oh my God, this is amazing, we're going to be talking about this for ages. And then nothing 
really happened with it. Um, I can't remember when exactly it got bought by HBO. Oh, it was out of Toronto, wasn't it? It was yeah. Like, yeah. very quickly. So then w- nobody really knew whether to be excited or not because we were like, oh, this is great. This is so much money. And, you know, this is Corey Finley, filmmaker's second film. Like, this is very exciting for everything he does next. But then immediately, like, you could see all your hopes and dreams of Oscars and everything that you knew that this movie would have had in the bag just kind of crumbling away. And Mm -hmm. then I felt this kind of war and I was like, oh, like, do awards matter? Like, maybe it just matters that this guy can have money to make his movie. And I thought that until... um, Fast forward to... Oh, when was it? I think it was probably the start of 2020, maybe yeah. February or March something. Oh, no. Um, not, not for that reason, but <laughs> we'll get to that as well. Um, uh, I was speaking to one of my friends who's also a journalist who had been told unofficially um, that Bad Education was going to be released in the UK like three days after she received that email. Um, and oh it was going God. to be released on a platform called Sky Cinema, which uh, which is so Sky work with HBO a lot of the time. So a lot of the HBO series, like Big Little Lies and stuff, it runs on Sky. Um, the problem that we have with Sky is that they often do a similar thing to what HBO does in the sense that they don't play films in cinemas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure this was before March, so I think it was. A possibility um but so there was no press release there was no release date there was no nothing and then this movie just came out like three days later on sky nobody knew what it was nobody knew what to do about it um and nobody watched it <laughs> that is so awful yeah it's such i mean it honestly happened very similarly like i we were only championing this film because like of critics that had seen it at TIFF and in London being like, oh my gosh, it's so good. But nobody who was just a normal film goer had any idea that this movie no. came out or where it was. And nobody here it- reviewed it because, because, <laughs> because, because we didn't have a release date. Right, yeah. right. No it just date. came out. So the movie just came out and it's like, I was supposed to review it. And then the outlet was like, well, the movie's come out. So no. People have seen it already? Yeah. Oh so, my um, god. Yeah, it's it's bad. It, it was real bad. So it's sad. So, it feels so bad for Finley too, because this really does feel like such a step. I mean, like I love Thoroughbreds, but this is like such a significant like step forward mm. too for him as a filmmaker. Like Thoroughbreds is like very indie, but this has like Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, and like just an incredible supporting cast. That's like a more mature movie. He's like digging into themes you know, that his previous movies was kind of touching upon. So it's like, oh, it's like this great emerging filmmaker. Okay, HBO? Yeah, I mean, look, it sold for $20 million. That is a lot of money. How much of that did Hugh Jackman siphle off to the side? Like five. Okay, cool, cool, cool. A nice, like, 25% Mm -hmm. off the top. Um, But, yeah, it is truly baffling that HBO bought this for so much money and then just dumped it fumbled i mean look it won one primetime emmy it obviously should have won like seven but it did win best uh outstanding television movie so good for them that's great but i'm just like you just know how many oscars it would have won in this i mean 
we don't have time to get into whole are the Oscars worth anything. Um, but I just think that every time the Oscars come along and there is a movie that looks exactly like Bad Education does, which has a true story, which has lots of actors who you know really well, which has like a, a, a promising director who you kind of know but kind of don't, it sweeping the Oscars that year puts it on the map. Like, this movie is what Spotlight wishes it was. Yes. Like, oh, it's fuck. Just, yeah. 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 And it's and 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 now everyone's like, oh yeah, Spotlight, it won some Oscars. Watch this. I'm like, no, I don't want to watch Spotlight. No. I fucking hate Michael Keaton. <laughs> I mean, oh, look. and then in England as well. Sorry, I'm really shouting. Now. Oh no, no not at all. Shout. We love it. Great. <laughs> shout swear. Um, it's great. In in England, there is uh, now. I should have checked if it's a film or a TV show, but I think it's a film. There is another film called Bad Education, which. I think it was released around 2015 and Jack Whitehall like stars in it right. writes it. I'm I I don't love Jack Whitehall, but somehow he is just one of those people who you just have to put up with. Like he is everywhere and he, he will truly. be for the next like 30 years. I'm like, "Oh, it's is Jack Whitehall's doing a thing again." Joy, um, joy. So when, yeah. So like so when you google bad education, um he comes up. Of course. A mess. Yeah. I feel like I that, hate it. it is like not my sister commented this to me. She was like, this is not necessarily the best title. And I was like, yes. No. I actually think it's a, I think it is a very good title for like the film itself. But mm. when you're thinking about like. Like titles. A title yeah. like publicly. But you're not going to be like bad superintendent. <laughs> bad education. Look, I'd see that. Well, that's I mean, it's the title of the article, right? The bad superintendent, I believe, it? or something oh. like that. Let me, oh boy, let me quickly confirm this because I remember written by Geraldine Fitzwanian, right? Uh, yes, I think it's Vizwanian. Vizwanian, okay. Um, Sorry. one of well, my snapped, favorite actors. Okay, she let's is see. Amazing. That so comp good. you said to Spotlight is really blowing my mind because that does feel I'm sorry. like a way that they could have paired like the way that this movie like rolls out its reveals in like such beautiful ways and you like never really get the full grasp until like the final like 15 minutes is mm-hmm. like so beautiful and you get like the magnitude of how like impactful it was and like if I mean like obviously Spotlight's dealing with a, like, a different thing but like that slow burnout would feel more potent in that movie. Right. Especially because it's mm. Boston too. And like being from Boston, Jordan, everyone yeah. just like suppresses everything. So like slowly doling Sounds out. Sounds very British. Yeah. It, I, you know, it's one and two pretty much. Yeah. There's actually, it's raining, I would say. It's snowing. Yeah. Know? Everyone is unfriendly. A lot of crossover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think that like bad education, it's kind of like an old fashioned movie. Like this is like an old mid-budget movie. Right. So I think like that's why seeing it, you know, in the past couple of years was kind of like very refreshing and sort of jarring as you were like, wait, it's like, it's a movie. It is an old fashioned, just like rock solid piece of cinema. I mean, everything from like shooting on actual film stock, not to be too much of a bro about it, but like and the shooting on the film stock and like, you know, everything that has to do with like the production design and like it's so there's like it's just really it's really good at every turn it's like they took what have could have been obviously like a down the middle biopic and like elevated it but it still has like that gravity mm-hmm. and it's not too flashy it's not like no an adam mckay vehicle yeah but it's solid it's just so solid that two it's shot so you get solid. 
So, oh, yeah. no, it is. No, totally. I was just thinking you were saying like how not flash it is. It's like that when Hugh Jackman goes, uh, what's Geraldine's characters? I don't know. Um, but Rachel? like when they have like he like confronts her outside when yeah. she's about to go forward and it's basically just like the pro like the side profile shots of the two of them and then it just like builds to him coming over and sitting next and he just like slowly turns the camera like that's like it's so simple but it's just executed in like such clean precise ways like everything on this is like operating like on a dime mm-hmm. like there's like no fat just but the thing is you know, the way we're describing it it sounds like this movie should be really boring and like and i thought <laughs> right. going into it i was like oh i guess i'll watch it i was like oh you know because i do think that when you have a filmmaker like cory finley who made their debut which is like really quite daring and it's his own script and everything and then they announced that they're adapting this article of this thing that happened. And I'm like, oh, have you just got paid a lot of money to do this? Am I going to have to watch this to support you as an independent filmmaker before you then go back to your next thing, which is really daring and really exciting? Um, but he made that really daring and really exciting like with this thing, without it being overly flashy or experimental or whatever. It's Again, it's like it's a very rare movie that I can watch with my parents, knowing full well that they're going to absolutely love it. And that they're not going to be exaggerating. And I am going to absolutely love it as well for different reasons. But we're both just going to be like, we're all going to be sat there having the best time. Nobody really knows why exactly, but there's just so many different things to latch onto. Um, It's really rare, I think, that it gets every kind of demographic in all these different ways. I agree. I agree. It's in its it's able to balance everything without making you think that it's balancing anything. I, Corey Finley is one of my favorite, like, indie directors. I think I like Thoroughbreds more than you do, Jordan, because oh, I'm, sure, like, yeah. obsessed with that movie. But I, I mean, just... it's taking off, I think, every Solomon box. Yeah. It's, you know, named after horses. Okay. First <laughs> of all. <laughs> First of Sorry. all, how dare you? Um, yes. I mean, like, I mean, come on. Anya Teller-Joy and Olivia I mean, Cook yeah. together. I feel like I'm the only... And Anton. Right. I feel like I'm the only one that knows the power of Olivia Cook. I have been, like... I feel Number like the sound one, of metal really Olivia helped you Cook out. Stan. Yeah, she's amazing. She's literally amazing in everything. She's even good in Ready Player One. She knows she's really good in Bates Motel. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. I love her. You know, I don't know. I didn't recognize her in Ready Player One, though, because she was, you know, so she's deformed. So ugly. She was the <laughs> ugliest movie. I've ever seen. I have you. Yeah. Yeah. Ella is shaking her head. Such, um, I, I hate that movie. <laughs> I hate it so much. I can't I have get behind no patience any part. for it. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't even get behind like the Spielberg nostalgia of it all. I just couldn't do it. Um, just... For for the uninformed, Olivia Cook is a very beautiful woman who yes. stars in Ready Player One, but she has a birthmark over her eye, which, as we know, oh, makes her the most hideous. horrifying Evil. person. Awful. <laughs> you could yeah, she's ever like a think Disney of. villain in the '90s, kind of. You know, she has like one birthmark, and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. whoa. Like, beware of that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like Corey Finley is so good about like working with these very, very talented, but sort of like occasionally underserved actors, and like just really, yeah. yeah, like Ray Romano, for example, or like. Uh, Geraldine Viswanathan is another young actress who I just adore and like I love to see her in everything and it's such like so delightful whenever she pops up in something because she's so good so it's really nice to see like Corey Finley doing that and I think that he really does pick like super interesting projects and like has this huge variety I mean he's only done two so far but like what a range but great too and his next movie is like an alien sci-fi thing it feels like a bigger step 
I think yes. so. Okay, here. Yeah. I'm going to confirm Go it. on. While but we're yeah. here, as you look this up, did so like Nat Wolf is in this movie, right? It's Nat, not Alex. It's Alex. So, okay, so it is <laughs> Alex. Right, it's Alex. So he's the one in Hereditary. I feel he like... He is not the one in Hereditary. No, he is. It's the one he from is. Hereditary. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is. He yeah. is. It's the Naked Brothers band. <laughs> Um, yeah. I feel like he looks younger in this than he does in Hereditary and Jumanji. But so like this movie comes out after Hereditary and then well the second Jumanji. I was like, but he looks like so young in this movie. Like I wonder what their production schedule was. I'll tell you why was. he looks done. I know what he did. I'm telling yes. you the difference. In Hereditary, they make him sweat all the time mm, and they mm-hmm. make him look physically dirty disgusting think that he is a bad person which like he is he Um, is yes and in whereas in this movie um i really like him as an actor i think he's brilliant and i think he's amazing in this as well in this movie he is an absolute twerp and deliberately they give him these really like well kind of pressed shirts and oh i edit the student newspaper i can say this i used to edit a section of the student newspaper like oh i take this really seriously and this is definitely (laughs) going to get me a job in the real world i'm a man and you're not and yeah Um, yeah so they make him do that um that was the dialogue from the movie (laughs) yeah it is annoying um mike you're a very good screenwriter you that's not what you wrote um uh yeah i think he's very good but i think that is what makes him seem younger is that he's really really irritating um and the more irritating young men are the younger they seem that is mm. um uh, uh science yeah yeah i actually I think, we can, I think you can absolutely I, get a patent on that that feels you, real i yeah. think you just unlocked Great. something yeah um i you know i like alex wolf he's having a great career he's gonna be um, in the hit film oh, old baby. here's do you know the thing about this oh, movie great. Yeah, it's that they're it's, they tell get us. old. Yeah, I did. They get old. No it's about way. it's about Are getting older. Me? I guys, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Talk about a movie I'm I excited for. I'm honestly fucking jazzed for that movie. I'll go see anything. I don't know anything that looks weird. That's Wait. gonna be like a lovely like Sunday 2 p.m. movie with nobody in it. Yeah, theater. just me, just vibes. Me and M Night <laughs> hanging out. It's gonna be great. Speaking of weird ass movies, yes. Corey Finley's next directorial right. endeavor, according to the internet, is called Landscape with Invisible Hand, and it is described as a dark surreal comedy set in an alien future, starring Tiffany Haddish. So, I mean, I think basically the best movie ever made. I have I no idea wait. what oh to expect. God. Plan B is producing it. I am going it, to have sure. to raise more money than HBO to make sure when it plays next Tiff that they don't get it. Like I can't, I can't go through this again. I know. You're I the entire marketing campaign. <laughs> this is yeah. where my career as a journalist ends. Like, and your career it. as a financier begins. Yeah, you can make yeah. a difference. Yeah, I can. I believe in myself. Yeah. Yeah. It was that was so. Just for your TIFF experience, was this like the best movie you saw out of that TIFF? Because if I remember, like that was a pretty strong TIFF year, right? Good question. Let me find out. Um, I think it, I yeah, it was a very strong year. I remember, I remember being louder about this film than I think other people. I mean, I do that a lot with films. So I don't know if that was just a consensus. Um, I'm finding my TIFF list. I think it's yeah. important if you like a movie to be loud about it. I think that's yeah, unfortunately what we've done. As well. Yeah, right. exactly. Because like you have to basically like break break what the film What's is going, going to, to be. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Tiff okay. is. Yes. I found my TIFF list. So, I mean, I had put it as my third best movie. But in my defense, 
the two above that are Marriage Story and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's like, I, I, I can't, I wasn't, you know. Three perfect movies. Who am I? Um, but it was a really strong year. Like that was Uncut Gems. It was Hustlers. It was Sound of Metal. Um, Jesus God. Rocks. What a year. Like, yeah, it was, it was big. Um, Joker was also that year. Oh, of course. Um, the most twisted movie to hit the screens. Yeah. I th- I think that TIFF is secretly like my favorite festival. Oh, for sure. It is kind for of like sure. picking a favorite child, but like I like the stuff that's at TIFF the best because I am like, I am a f- unsurprisingly a four quadrant enjoyer. Like I love like Why? the big stuff. I wonder. Oh, I don't know. But I feel like TIFF represents my favorite festival selection, which is just like really good, accessible movies that have the potential to break really big like hustlers for example mm. like i basically think that that's a perfect movie and obviously i love sundance i love can like who am i to to choose a favorite festival but but i, I like to I, skew yeah. no, <laughs> I, think I agree right. i think sundance i mean so I, i've only done sundance virtually this year mm-hmm. um and i'm always bitter when everyone else goes in other years and like and i watched a lot this year and a lot was really good but now when i'm looking back on it I think I'm probably biased because I was at home on a different time zone covering it. That's why I was less excited. Um, but I do think with both Sundance and Cannes and Berlin, you have to sift through a bit more yeah. to find what you like. I mean, I suppose that's quite um, insane of me to say considering <laughs> TIFF has like over 200 movies. Um, but I feel like because it's got so many, um, the ones the ones that I, I find that I get interested in um, stand out much easier, I think. Yeah, like it's, for sure. it's, it's just, I find making my schedule at TIFF a bit more of a no-brainer. Um, yeah. And everyone's always so loud and like so excited afterwards. It's great. Like I remember after, oh, I remember I went in 2018. I remember seeing my friends after they came out from seeing Widows and just like oh. every single one of them, one after the other. I think, yeah, they went to the first screening and I was queuing for the next one and they came out and then one after the other, they were like, fucking slaps. Yeah, widow's rules, fucking sick. And like, no one would say anything or like, I was like, what is it? Like, what does it do? What is it about? And they're like, oh, fucking rules. And like, that was it. I mean, they were right. Um, but it's great. Like, you don't get that. Well, you get that out of can for Parasite, but... Yeah. But that's that's, that's like that's so yeah. special. That's different. That's, no yeah. Yeah. Half the time, whatever wins the Palm Door, you're like, oh yeah. I mean, good movie, I guess. The Square, yeah. such a such a classic. I mean, it's but, just it doesn't have like the same sort of buzz. Well, I feel like the, no. the virtual too. It's like people aren't coming out of this virtual Sundance being like, yo, John in the hole. We want to talk <laughs> about how like y'all John was in the hole, guys. Uh, he Jordan, put his family in the hole. Love to talk about that movie because it's he so funny. saw it on a screener. Hey Ella, if it makes you feel better, I was at Sundance in 2020 and I did not see a single movie. So did, you've probably had a better experience. What did you do? Oh, just I, vibing. She was I, just walking around, <laughs> being like. Went skiing a couple of times. No, I have a very <laughs> yeah, a, ski trip then. <laughs> a very unglamorous job as an assistant. So I was answering emails in a, a ski lodge and you know just shedding a single tear every time I mean, someone came back. Like a nice vibe though from a movie. It was not a nice vibe. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a very... nice hot chocolate. No, nothing. Crazy. Yeah, a nice hot chocolate and three hundred and fifty emails to answer. Um, no, it was it was obviously like a great experience, but. 
I think that a virtu- I would take a virtual festival over being mm. so close. And yet, yeah. it's oh, okay. Totally. One day, one day, I'll see like oh, 50 sure. movies in the span of four Absolutely. days, as God intended. Yeah. It's um, the only way to do it. It is. Um, when did you first, so when this, when did you, did you just see this when it came out day of? What was your like experience seeing it? Uh, I have a good industry story with oh. this movie. Um, when uh, I assume automatic was trying to sell it um i read the script when it was just a package for i don't remember what festival it was for um but i read the script and i was so obsessed with it and i was like someone needs to buy this like immediately this needs to get made and i think like it sold pretty quickly but ever since i read the script i was like i can't wait for this to come out i can't wait to see it the cast is amazing (laughs) hugh jackman um and then it came out i like watched it the day that it dropped on hbo uh and i was just so you're like "Uh delighted cinema yeah (laughs) yeah so i this is one that i was tracking for a while it's sort of like the good side of that story because the other script that I read, I think around the, the same time, no breaking news in Yuba County mm. also starring Alice and Janney. We're getting deep into like industry talk now. That movie came out this year. I know, but that's the thing where it was like, I read that script and I was like, I love this. And then the movie is like a Ooh. disaster. Yeah. I don't know. I stand by my enjoyment of the script. Clearly it did not pan out sometimes script or screen you know it doesn't work no but that's why i think i was so delighted with bad education because i was like i've been like in this film's corner in my own little way like i can't actually do anything about it but so it was really nice you're paying for the marketing exactly it's you and ella i am the pna budget we we did this yeah (laughs) everything uh went well for this movie is is all you guys and you're welcome for that Yeah. yeah i feel like i always conflated before I saw this, I don't know when the front runner came out, but I felt like election that... day. It came out on election day. How could you forget the worst marketing Jesus. talk about marketing decisions? But like that, I feel like felt similar for Hugh. Like I feel like between this and the front runner, he was like trying to like position himself to get that best, like a best ass, best best ass and best actor <laughs> mom. <laughs> but you know, the thing about the front runner though. Um, is that uh, the the movie's bad? Yes, <laughs> that it's not um, good. I don't know if I'm really like, you know, going off on one here, but uh, uh, yeah, it's bad. And 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 but the thing about bad education, um, good. Uh, it's really good. Mm. So um, so some interesting choices were were, were made there. Um, yeah, yeah, someone should yeah. ask you, Jackman. What like what comes next? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Reminiscence. Ugh. Reminiscence. Sure. I also read that script. I think it's pretty I'm, good. I'm sure it'll be <laughs> I'm fine. But a lot I don't of think that's like a. It's like a, his not his like a best actor play. Yeah, no. You know? Because has he? We've we've talked about the huge jacked man before on the Prestige, which is probably his second best performance. I would say after the Greatest Showman. Oh, of course, first, definitely. You see, it was the Greatest Show. <laughs> You know, it was. <laughs> I, I feel like won't lie that I did tear up during that movie because the soundtrack oh, does slap. It's such a, good time. Such a, a good delightful time. movie to see while drunk. It's so fucking great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I did, like, but I do. I know, and it's like I don't love it, but I do. It's like a, yes. a a reluctant type of love. But look, I support Hugh Jackman doing truly anything that he wants to do but he has only snagged the elusive oscar nom once for lay miz right what of course you know the man lost 50 pounds or whatever that's like 
pure Oscar bait right yeah. there. Um, Great voice, as we know. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like, he does have a lot of projects coming up, but I don't... I feel like it's kind of hard to suss out yeah. what is going to... I think it should have been... Like, honestly, like, this does feel like the one he should have gotten it for, like, you know... He's been around for so long. He's done so many different genres. He's coming off of being Logan and like the whole superhero kick. So it's really like the next phase of his career. So it would be like the Oscars being like, we love you. Here you go. Like go out into your like older years, because especially in this movie, he's like wearing age in a very specific way. Like Mm. I think like, wow, it's all about like him nip tucking his wrinkles and like trying to stay young forever. He does like, have wrinkles and like you can see his age and he does play it really well and i think that as we've talked about with the the prestige episode like hugh jackman i feel like is the best when playing sort of a vain self-absorbed character and like this is exactly that role so it's just sort of hitting all the check marks you want for a hugh jackman performance yeah i mean hugh jackman is one of my faves i think because like he does have this incredible sort of like standing in superhero land because of X-Men, obviously. But like, you know, the man has taste. Australia? And yeah, the movie Australia. And like his musical theater background and everything. Like he really is so, so versatile. And I love, I don't know, like I'll basically watch him and everything. I do think he suffers from a little bit of the Brian Cranston problem where he'll just like mm. be a lead in a movie like The Front Runner, which is just like, it's just nothing. There's yeah. nothing there. Well, there was a front runner. Yes. Very important to note. Although I will say, I I feel like if we're trying to z- zone in on the next potential Oscar nom, he and Laura Dern are starring in Florian Zeller's next uh, yeah. movie, The yeah. Sun. So, I mean, this is, there's two in, both of them. Yeah. Like, see, there, there we go. Sun. There is a sun. Wow. And so if we can make that happen, that would be very exciting. I would love that. I don't but know. he should what? have won it for bad education. He really should like, have. It's so infuriating. Like this, I don't think, it, well, I mean, I don't think anyone else could have played this role. Like I no. think. No, exactly. Everything you're saying about how vain he is, it's, oh, it's so perfect. And I feel like it really kind of creeps up on you as well. Like at the start when he's like, you know, like tweezing something or or looking at a wrinkle i'm like oh you're a bit weird like you know chill out you're fine um and then when he does it like he'll do the the exact same things by the end of it and i'm like this is so sad like this is the most beautiful thing i have ever seen and then when it's he like, does it in course, prison with like the fucking cinnamon the and you're tinted like, oh, moisturizer no. and he's just so calm and he's just like this is my ritual i have to show up like for myself for for my fellow inmates for my students this is just what i do um and i really like that he's he's completely cool about how vain he is like it's not he doesn't get stressed out like if his hair is out of place or whatever he's not i feel like that can be often turned into kind of a very like exaggerated ocd kind of thing yes. in a very like easy and a bit gross way um Whereas in this, it's like, it's, no one makes a fuss about it, yet it's such a thing at the same time. Um, and and then it kind of struck me halfway through the first time I was watching it. I was like, oh yeah, this is the guy who was the greatest showman. Like, obviously he's not, he's not singing right now, but he still knows that he has to, 
you know, he has, he to, has turn to perform. Up. Are we going to get a bad education perform. musical? Oh, imagine. I mean, we oh, talked about that. It. We talked I about that in the love that. in the prestige app too. Yeah. The idea that he is like he he. It's all about the performance that he's putting on. It's right. all about like the the trick and the turn, the showman of it. Yes, yeah. he is like the magician of the two of them. So it's good. It's a really good niche for him. As you were talking about Ella, like his rituals and stuff like that, I made this note too. Is like this. We've we have, have we discussed we did American Psycho and talked about Patrick Bateman. This feels like an equivalent to Patrick Bateman, sort of for like while this isn't the modern era, like it's a period piece. It does feel like what a Patrick Bateman would do. Like he is mm-hmm. a fucking sociopath. Like at and the end yet, of the day, yeah. But yet the thing with Patrick Bateman is that he has all of these rituals, and then I I love American Psycho, but he has all of these rituals and. It, it feels like the film is telling you, oh, he has all these rituals because he is insane and like yes. because he's going to kill yes. everyone. I mean, yeah, Hugh Jackman's character also does horrible things, but like, you know, it is a different scale. Like, it is a different kind of thing. Murder, embezzlement, definitely yeah. a little I different. Mean, you know, um, but that's why I find it so interesting to 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 make a point about someone having such specific and like quite strange obsessions without it. Um, without turning it into this horror movie kind of very cartoonish um, trope, I guess. Yeah. I think that the while we're on sort of like the, you know, the facials and the facelifts and the suits and the dry cleaning and the hair the products. The yes. Um, I think that it's, this is like one of my favorite movies that deals with kind of like what it's like to be someone under a spotlight and like needing to show up and have a certain like persona and a certain level of like put togetherness. Like the friendliness that he does. Exactly. Like he's always like, hello, how are you? And he always ha- he has, truly has to be the face of the school district. Like he does need those suits and the dry cleaning and everything that goes along with it. But um, the conversation that comes at the end of the film between him and Ray Romano, where Ray Romano is like, we see what you're doing. We all laugh at you. Like you spent $30,000 on dry cleaning. And I think that one of the reasons that scene is so good is that Hugh Jackman's rebuttal makes total sense where he's like, you don't understand. I have to project success so the school can project success. And it's like, I totally, it's, that is like a difficult sort of thing to try and balance. Like, should he have spent 30 K on dry cleaning? Maybe not. However, um, (laughs) I think, like, he's in a difficult position well, it's, for much of this yeah. movie. I mean, I think that's, like, the brilliance of this movie is it's, like, tackling, I think, like, really... I mean, the, the, these themes are totally, like, still potent to today and about, like, specifically, like, with the public school system. Like, in America, I don't... I obviously didn't grow up in Britain, so I don't know. But, like, the way... Especially, like, where I grew up, too, like, there was heavily the notion of, like, good schools and bad schools. Like, you wanted to go to, like, the good public school or else, like you might not have like a better education. Mm. Like this was totally a conversation like we would have in our families and like friends and like everyone like knew this, like there's a town called Plymouth and it's literally like the difference between like Plymouth North and Plymouth South is like huge, which is so insane the way that like these school districts are carved up. And a lot of it also was in like these liberal communities where it's like a rich liberal community versus like a more like middle-class, lower-class liberal community. And the way that this movie is like, analyzing Long Island as like a juxtaposition for America is so fascinating in the way it's like, how do you portray, like how much are you doing this for your kids versus are you doing this for yourself? Like who is actually at the end of the day, like the one benefiting from this, like you, your child, the school, 
mm-hmm. you know? But I feel like that's why everyone can get away with doing the things that they're doing because they, like, when, it not, and not just Hugh Jackman's character, like Alison Janney, and I can't remember the other person's name, her, like, niece. Or oh, sister. yes. Annalie Ashford, queen. Great. Yeah, she is amazing. Um, And I feel like they can just fully... The reason that you don't instantly hate them and think they are just wild for doing what they're doing is because, yeah, like you understand that pressure and being like, well, my kids need this and my family needs this and to be part of this town and this community, I need this. But that like all of that could be true or you as an individual could just really like buying things. Um but and I love how nebulous it is and how they just make it seem it probably is quite complex but everyone is kind of played in a like very funny almost kind of slapstick way but never so much that you don't believe that these just incredible things that people are doing and these incredible amounts of money being spent that they wouldn't seriously believe that for some reason someone somewhere is putting pressure on their neck to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on whichever Christmas presents they are um, so that their kids can go to a good school. Like, yeah. That would happen somehow. Totally. Absolutely. I love that this is a movie about keeping up appearances and faking appearances and constructing uh, an acceptable life for yourself regardless of whether you're actually living it like Alice and Janney's niece not being able to afford you know three thousand dollars worth of Christmas presents but buying them anyway to keep up appearances um I obviously think it ties in very nicely so to some of like the weirdness? yeah question mark <laughs> um uh, yes so and uh but I think really quickly before we move off yeah. of the whole like neoliberal communities around like school systems which is like something very real it's just crazy how and I think that bad education does a very good point of like drawing this parallel extremely clearly the the correlation between um income Mm -hmm. and school system quality is like one-to-one the idea that the better the school system the higher the real estate and the higher the real estate the better the school system Mm -hmm. that like if you want to give your kids a good education you have to be rich like just right. that's just how it works if you want your kids to go to a, a good public school you have to be rich which negates the whole point of public school in the first place right we're supposed to be for everyone right exactly it's yeah. so crazy it's fucked up yeah you it's like the american school system is so i mean just like school systems everywhere like how it's just fucked up how education and wealth are so intrinsically tied together where at the end of the day like we should be investing constantly in the schools and in <laughs> right. our teachers and everything and it, like it shouldn't be like this like nebulous like thing like it should be very well, it's a clean competition cut. everywhere it's like right. oh you can do that good for you oh you can't good luck and like that's right. that's it yeah and of course there's like everything that goes in i love hugh jackman talking about like book club and like you know obviously the real estate developers and like the board that's made up of like parents with 10 million dollar houses like the idea that you have to cater to the community if you run the school system because Mm -hmm. everything feeds into how well the school system is doing totally yeah i never went to public school 
ever. I rode a bus one time and I thought it was very exciting because I was like nine. But I went to Catholic school for all of my life. Um, And Catholic school is interesting because I think that a lot of what people think of Catholic school is that it's like, oh, like, you know, it's swanky. It's private school. It's like a very high quality of education. And the thing is that, like, unless you live in a very, like, well-to-do area, uh, like, you don't have anything at Catholic right. school because it's totally private and it's being paid for by the diocese. Nobody has any money. So a lot of the times it's like the public schools in wealthy areas are like a million times nicer than the Catholic schools. Maybe not like the super swanky private schools, but there's definitely still like a very weird wealth disparity. Um, and you have to pay for all the extra stuff like uniforms and you know your own transportation and like no sporting fields and stuff like that it is a crazy time out here in the american school system because the trade-off the trade-off is that you you know supposedly get better education right like you get more college prep etc etc but it's really interesting to look at like bad education specifically with the roslyn school district is like they're all about who's getting into ivies what like what's our college prep look like um it's all about the future uh I don't know. It's, I think it's so it's fun. I just need to, we just need to circle back. We'll come back to this. Oh, yeah? When you said that you had a fun time on a school bus, that is the most insane thing to I me. I know, because it was I only one time. I hated the school bus. <laughs> I felt like, like I was in a movie. I was like, oh, my God, I'm on the bus. It's my first, like, like literally, I, like, my first bus ride was, like, one of the most traumatizing things. I was sat next to, like, a fourth grader. It's, like, little me in kindergarten. She is, like four foot five and I don't know how fucking tall I am but I'm just like oh my god and she had like lip gloss on so I associated it with like lipstick and I'm like I'm so immature what's happening here <laughs> like every I was like the smallest person on the it was so scary I love the idea of five-year-old Jordan being like this girl with lip gloss is gonna like, be my oh undoing my god. <laughs> I'm going to be bullied by this girl with lip gloss Ab- oh hey anybody's on the table you never know <laughs> bullies come from left field it's true it's true but no, I think that's a very salient point that you bring up because it's also, it's so dependent upon like location and everything, but it's like intimate or sorry, like intrinsic to all of America. And I'm sure like everywhere it's like, this is sort of just like education is a fucking complicated conversation to have. And this movie like has that complicated conversation in a really smart way. Like it's not approaching it. Like, like, I feel like there is a way to approach this where like from the beginning, you're like, oh, Hugh Jackman is a terrible person. We don't like him. But instead, it like slowly is like showing you like, OK, like these things aren't that good. Like maybe there's a little more to these people, but they're flawed and like you can still like them. But like also they're stealing. And yeah. you're like, oh, do, what, what am I supposed to feel? You know? The mid-act twist, I think, is, like, very brilliant because it's not, like, a everything changes twist. It's just, like, a very, like you said, a very slow unraveling. I think it is very smart of screenwriter Mike Mikowski, yes, um, to, to – I need to make sure that I – yeah, Mike Mikowski um, – to – uh, sort of put the blame on Alice and Janney's character like very heavily in the first act and then like you said sort of gently unravel the fact that like no this corruption goes so much deeper because like she lost her career <laughs> Jordan loves that scene it's the best it's <laughs> her delivery of that line lives in my head rent free it's just so good I mean I feel like the unraveling 
very much starts with the moment where I was like, Hugh Jackman doesn't have, he's not mourning the death of his wife. Interesting. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, this movie's doing different things. And then when I was watching it with my parents, um, I, I've, so I've seen it three times now and I, the third time was with my parents. And, um, and so obviously I was very much like, wait because I didn't need you know the second time you watch something you want to take it in more and it's more for you whereas the third time it's very much like keeping an eye on who's watching it with you yes um, right. so the scene when what is his what is his character's the the his the guy who was his student who we have so much Kyle. to say about Kyle um <laughs> thank you when when he first meets Kyle in the bar I was like looking at my parents to see I was like what are you are you gonna are you getting with this are you going there are you getting this you see they're flirting a little oh no it took him a while it was like when he came back to the hotel room my parents were like hang on what is he are they is this yeah (laughs) just you wait um I mean look we watched Foxcatcher um this was also over Christmas and um, oh my, what a double bill this is great so, we had a great few days um and that movie ended and my mum like looked at my dad and I and she was just like were they mm. were they uh, uh. <laughs> and 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 they were they, they were. were they were movie anyway so um, so this movie, yeah yeah um, um but yeah I felt yeah. like it all shifted when I was like oh there is there's there's no wife what where are we going and it just everything what i really like about the way that this film deals with huge act well his character's sexuality is that i have found that in movies that kind of hide a twist like this that can then take over and then that becomes like the whole point you're like ah this terrible person has done this shocking thing and then it it detracts from the story that was already going on. Now, the story that was going on might have been boring, so this might be a more interesting story, but I think that it's... um, I find it quite lazy and a bit cheap in a script for it to just be like, well, we're going to forget that first half, and now, like, the juicy thing that you want to know about this character's, like, relationships, that's what happens for the rest of the movie. And it's like, yes, they're interesting, but I just found the way that this movie did it so much more interesting because it just, it keeps everything going and everything is so intertwined and it's, like, it's so dense and very, very complex and never fully... um, Like, it never fully explodes. It never goes insane, and it's just... it's. It's just, it's so solid. Um, I think it's amazing. Yeah. It's such, yeah. No, no, it's like such a beautiful portrayal of like queerness because it's like not, he's like obviously like gay and there's like no way around that. But it's like the movie is not being like, he, like his actions of like being queer, like make these, like he's not bad because he's queer. He's just Mm -hmm. queer and also bad, you know, at the same time. (laughs) Amazing poetry, Jordan. (laughs) It's like, it's poetry, it rhymes. But no, but it's like, as you were saying, it's so nice to watch something like that because we've discussed about this so much. It's like so many times you just have the villain who's gay and you're like, okay, you're bad at the end of the day. They're intrinsically linked, He is also like this movie is like not about his queerness, but there's also like so much of what's driving his character does feel like it's also tied to like an internalized homophobia that he has. Like he does feel 
like he doesn't like himself. And he's like so much about this, as you had mentioned, is about appearances. Yes. And he wants to maintain the appearance of this like kind, beloved, like straight, rich person where like at the end of the day, like when he's dancing at the club, it's like him like sort of having this moment of reprieve where he's like, oh, I can like let loose and like be happy in Vegas. Like I don't need to like... Yes, but he knows what's coming. Right, right, exactly. Like, is that the only reason? Yeah, is that the only reason that he's finally letting himself be happy because he knows that it's gonna be over and like a drive home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that this is maybe the best, definitely one of the best films that I've seen that deals with like what modern day homophobia actually feels like because like to go from from the other end of the spectrum where it's like oh we're demonizing these characters because they're gay I feel like very often like homophobia on screen is just so like horrifying that you're like okay well this is one not that accurate and two sort of almost takes away the power of like what it actually is like and I think the combination in bad education with Hugh Jackman's character between, like you're saying, Jordan, the internalized homophobia and the idea that he still has to maintain appearances and mourn his dead wife of 30 years, uh, even though he's living with like a full-time domestic partner. Well, that reveal also. That reveal is amazing. But, oh. but, but the other thing is that it's like, I go back to that Hugh Jackman, Ray Romano scene mm-hmm. where Ray Romano is like, I mean, it's basically an open secret. This idea that like nobody is going to necessarily like be overtly aggressive towards him but they're not exactly accepting it's sort of like in the don't ask don't tell Mm -hmm. region of like we kind of all know but you should be doing better to hide it because you know as well as we do what this sort of thing looks like like will this taint our town like having a queer superintendent versus like a straight one yeah in such like a high position of power like what is it what does it mean what are people gonna think Mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean i think it's very clear that like hugh jackman's character has accepted that that is something that he does have to like keep as under wraps as possible and like alice and janey definitely feels as like there's that scene where the mom hits on him after the book club and he's just like (laughs) no i'm it's uh, just i think her memory right. is so I'm fresh still mourning <laughs> i'm definitely not like doing someone else on the side but then like he tells alice and janie and she's like huh and like they're like joking about it so you're sort of like does she know or is this like is she did she, like she think that it's like the wife you know what i mean it's like even like that conversation feels sort of layered because it's not yeah necessarily she, so clear she does say she's pretty far from your type right exactly which is like, I mean, makes you wonder. They're never explicit <laughs> about it, which I kind of like that you'd never yeah. really know. But like, it's like they've known each other for like twenty years or something, right? Like, maybe she she knows. Just like, can you can you can you imagine like actually maintaining the existence that he does with his husband for like what is it thirty years? Or thirty something? years, yeah. Having such a public facing job and life and being as busy as you do and yet when when he goes home to his husband um his husband seems like completely fine <laughs> he's he's just hanging out he loves Hugh Jackman very much and you know it just seems very um it, it, it feels like his marriage is as settled as he wants the rest of his life to appear and it feels like he's working so hard at everything else where so he must be out all of the time being really um 
neglectful and narcissistic and just away. And yet he actually does have what seems to be an amazing relationship. Like, what? Just... What? I know, I know. It's what is like this man's schedule? This insane balancing act. I mean, my I mean, teach me, you know, like yeah. I would love to. I think like my favorite reveal and uh, off mic, Jordan was talking about trying to find the actor who plays the DA who comes in in the third act. We'll eventually like go over the plot, but like we're hopping around. It's fine. Who cares? But like when they bring Hugh Jackman's husband into like interrogate him basically about all these crimes, it's like it's not it's not the white collar crime that surprises him. It's the infidelity. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. is the breaking point. He's in on the white collar crime. In on it. He's like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> it was just me. He was not involved. Like need me a relationship like that aside from the infidelity but like so, <laughs> someone who will willingly like Just, do white yeah. collar crime with you for Would 30 love. years be gay do crimes great <laughs> yeah like it's it's they really they do have like you know if Hugh Jackman was loyal it would be a pretty good relationship between the two of them I mean that scene just like breaks your heart where he's like you can't make me testify against my husband um, even though they're not legally married. He's like, you can't wear... We- Which also is like so potent yeah. at the time. Right. Yeah. Where the DA is like, are you legally married? And the guy's like, I mean, what do you think? Right. Obviously not. But we've been domestic mm-hmm. partners for 30 years. We're entitled to federal protection. Oh, it's so good. It's like... out it's, that picture. It's the little things like that that make this movie feel like very realistic and mm-hmm. very sort of like sobering in that way where it's like, right. He could be forced to testify because they're not legally married because of homophobia. Like it like it makes you extrapolate. Um, but yeah, it never like sensationalizes anything or there's there's no big sweeping score when when he says you must testify and there's no strings that go insane and him going no, like it's, that would be awful. Um, horrible. But, but it could happen. Like it's happened in other movies. Stuff like that has happened. And also a quick thing on the score. It is... I should know this guy's name. He did the score for Us. Um, oh, love. Yeah. And uh, I think I saw Us like a couple of months before or after. Um, I think I saw Bad Education, Us, and then Bad Education again. And then when I watched it the next time, I was like, this makes so much sense. The, the, <laughs> the scene in particular is uh, it's towards the s- start-ish of the film when um, Alice and Janney's niece is uh like the cops have come to get her and she's like walking through the the, the basement with the really right. tall shelves and everything and there's this score which is just these kind of strange eerie drums and you're just like this shouldn't i don't think this score should be here i, w- I wasn't expecting this and yet it's here and it's that's the moment where i was like what is this movie where where this isn't this is this is not spotlight like this wouldn't happen um it's just very playful but without being um silly ever it's always like very very serious about um about everything it's yeah even when it's like that that score you it's like that with jimmy tattero comes in for like three scenes whatever as like the dumb husband and like son son right (laughs) uh but like he could totally be like they could boost like the goofiness of him and like the dumbness of him but they really just have it like one quiet montage like with the song underneath just showing like 
how the card escalation can like and how a family can just like totally start to rely upon the card and like the guy comes out from ace hardware and is just like no you're like a great customer like we value you and he's like oh you do and like you just get how silly that character is without it being like so overtly funny like you're laughing but you're not like this isn't a comedy like this is it's just so layered Mm -hmm. i love how tense the middle section is like from the minute that you first start to think that something is up with pam but like all the way through basically until we fully uncover like what's going on with you know i mean everything like i it's so it almost becomes a thriller and Mm -hmm. it starts so early it's like you were saying ella it totally kind of like unnerves you in this very exciting way from like the outset you're immediately like what what is this what is going on here um it's kind of it's i mean it's really brilliant i love it you're saying this movie is good i am saying it's good um (laughs) (laughs) you know who i want to touch on quickly my favorite character in the movie is rachel Played by Geraldine Fiswanathan, as I mentioned, my fucking girl. Great Love overalls. her so much. Okay, great overalls. Anyone in overalls automatically yeah. great. Yeah. Yes. Um, the puff piece setup payoff oh my is God. like maybe the sexiest Brilliant. thing Brilliant. I've ever seen in cinema. The idea He sets himself off. I know. <laughs> and the idea that it's like good educators care about changing individual Not students. Not bad. Yes, educators. good educators care about affecting individual students, even if the individual students don't remember them. They care mm-hmm. about making like a one person difference. And Hugh Jackman does make that one person difference. Mm-hmm. He just happens to. He just to picks the wrong person. Just picked the wrong person. He then tries to do it with the accelerate kid and that kid does not get it. <laughs> He's like, accelerate, accelerate. I do think that the moral of this story is to never underestimate someone who takes the student newspaper far too seriously. Because yes. you never know mm. what the fuck we're going to do. And <laughs> then you have a movie about it and your life is over. A great lesson to remember for That's everyone. Yeah. yeah. Don't underestimate overachievers in high school. It is no. insane how much shit I got done in high school. I could never do it again. <laughs> yeah, the time I, balance. I get nothing done now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> My life is over. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what was your, as you know, as a former student newspaper correspondent, writer, mm-hmm. I don't know what the positions are in a newspaper. Um, does this portrayal feel accurate to like what it was like actually doing a student newspaper? I or? mean, well, I mean, here's, here's the moment where I ruin any credibility that I had. Uh, I, I edited the film and TV pages, uh, which yes. if, 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 if you consider that the whole student newspaper takes itself too seriously and like doesn't really matter, um, the film and TV section is that more than anything because it's like, who is reading film reviews from this from the students at the University of Bristol? Like, get alive. <laughs> uh, and I remember there was one year, I, I, did it for, I did it for two years and um, uh, on the two years I'd, I was I was editor of the section for two years, and I had different uh, deputy editors in the other years. For some reason, um, some of my friends like applied for those positions both years, and it's like it was really stupid of them because I'm the nightmare. Um, and <laughs> they, I just no, but I remember having arguments with them. I can laugh about it now. We're still friends. Um, I can laugh about it now because. I would be telling them like that we needed to share these articles that other people had written, um, which is insane. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I'd be telling them this and they're like, but no, like this first was a student newspaper. Second of all, these are not our articles. Like you're, you're ridiculous. Um, so that was me. Um, however, 
I do think that in a broader, more serious way, uh, yeah, like I remember people who were on the other sections of the newspaper, um, kind of who were who were reporting on politics and on mental health as well. Um, they were really like doing really like good stuff, and and still now, like I've seen, I mean, so so I went to the University of Bristol, which is in, mm-hmm. in the southwest of England, um, and the 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 mental health services uh, there are really bad like really really bad um there has been uh, a an epidemic of student suicide over the last few years and people have been reporting it and like it's it's getting worse um and and yeah and it, it was an article from the student newspaper uh i think it was a couple of weeks ago who like called this out the latest development i think it was saying that the university was basically saying that they were going to cut budgets or pay for even less or like if you needed more help that like students were going to have to pay for themselves um so uh bad but like really you know important really good work from from the paper and oh no the other thing was uh on rent um because obviously during the pandemic everyone's had to pay rent even though like whether they're there or not um and 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 yeah and the article was saying that the university had spoken to like landlords were basically saying that if the landlords want to evict you that's not the university's problem um which my goodness uh, bad. yeah bad. Um, all yeah. not good oh my no. god all not good um but so yeah but so i think yeah like student newspapers uh i mean i suppose it's interesting because obviously you don't want to be working on the student newspaper in an instance where something like this does happen um but those are the rare I mean, am I being mean in saying this? Those are the rare moments when your job on the student newspaper like is huge and makes right. a big difference when something awful happens, like like in this movie. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Student journalism. It's, it's, yeah. It's good. It's important. And like, yeah. you really do. I mean, I love like all the scenes with uh, Geraldine and her father, like fact checking and like going through mm-hmm. and like making sure they do their due diligence. And um, of course, Alex Wolf being like, fuck, like he's writing my recommendation. Like we have to publish mm-hmm. this, but like, oh my God. Um, yeah. Just sort of like, I think that that sort of like all consuming integrity and kind of like the need to like, really make sure that if you're going to like jeopardize your future you need to like be able to back it up is this really cool sort of like high school type um you know morality and ethics building lesson I mean the scene between Geraldine and her father when he's like I kind of knew about these bad things at my job and I didn't say anything Mm -hmm. and I have to live with it and like the fact that that makes her be like I need to do this i don't care if this like is gonna bring down the wrath of god upon me like i have to do it for no, the good of the so school t- it's such a like beautiful relationship that she has with her father like that's so it's like such a complex relationship too and like the yeah. way that it's like talked on the periphery from other people and like how they mention like the parents talk like they know what happened to her dad we know there was insider trading right but we don't know that until like so far in but you already get the sense that there's like something with her father but we don't even get that many scenes with them so it's really in like 
three pockets that you get like a whole beautiful arc between the two of them. Yeah. And it totally, you get this. He's such an important character who doesn't have a lot of screen time. Um, but he really makes a difference. It's, it's good. If I was going to nominate this movie for Oscars, I would obviously nominate it for best picture and best actor and best supporting actor for Ray Romano. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank but you. I think like the best adapted screenplay for nom sure. is like yeah. a given. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so like the dialogue is so good. The dialogue is so good. And I feel like it's 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 always interesting when when you have like a movie ad- adapted from um, an article because like Hustlers, for example, um, I haven't read the original article of Hustlers or of of, of this movie. Um, but I feel like I mean, I said it earlier, this this sh- this should be boring. Like this should be boring. The, ca- the, sure. the characters are not um not really that colorful like they're not really that interesting they're not you know they don't have really exciting jobs like hustlers it's like you know a lot of the facts so actually another reason i'm thinking about this um i i actually just watched zola this afternoon which i hadn't seen oh Um, my god how well Uh, i don't know if you can break your embargo but if you (laughs) can't i mean i like i thought it was fine I, Uh. I, i i was i was really excited i was really really excited for it um a lot of reasons for me to love it but i think i don't know it just left me a bit cold it's like i will understand people going mad for it i'll understand people not liking it i really like wanted to to feel more but so i think zola is the opposite movie to this Mm. in that the so i hadn't read the thread either deliberately so i read Mm. it afterwards um and i think it's the opposite movie to bad education in the sense that all of the facts are there. The facts are just, I, I, like, they're ridiculous. That, that's why they made the movie. There's, you know, it's it, the most it insane thread ever. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I found then in the way that it was done, um, this is obviously very unfair of me to say, and is obviously untrue, but it felt like they basically just like went through each thing and just like mm. put it on the screen, and I didn't feel like there was much kind of being enhanced or tweaked or kind of molded tonally or emotionally or that kind of thing um and i just felt like it ran out of steam a bit even though the like in mad things were still happening to the very end mm-hmm. and yet i felt like i'd kind of checked out halfway through i don't know why i'm i'm really like annoyed at myself more than anything <laughs> um and yeah but but i felt like you know Obviously, you know, it's very impressive writing a screenplay from a thread regardless. But there was a lot more like bullet points that you could and did hit, which um, are entertaining in and of themselves. Whereas Bad Education, like the facts aren't entertaining. Like they're just, they're, 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 they're scandalous. But it's, it's scandalous data rather right. than um, performance or drama or anything kind of emotional or, or um, salacious in any way. Um, so... Which is why I'm so much more impla- impressed with the screenplay of Bad Education because I'm like you've 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 made me care so much like how how has this happened how am I so invested um, in I keep saying it's boring but I I thought it was yeah. um, and it's not it's really not it's not I yeah. think that's like a whole thing about like adapt I think that's like such a conversation though is because like I feel like adapted screenplays whether they're from novels articles whatever it's like how much are you like straight from the book and from the source? Like, are you trying to maintain or is that creative liberty to like make it a more engaging story? And I feel like a lot of the time now or like with studios, like a lot of people are more inclined to make something more directly 
from the material like oh so you read this and now we'll we'll give you like the visual version of it rather than like taking the characters mm -hmm. and like making it something like its own story using the source material more as a launching point instead of just like translating it to the screen exactly which is way more enjoyable if you're like the whole point of like going to see a movie is like you're not going to just see the visual version of the article like mm -hmm. you're going to see a movie yeah so like why would you just be boring about like your adaptation mm -hmm. i love the parallel that you keep drawing ella between this and spotlight because like yes i'm annoying and like i'm a nerd and i like enjoy data collection on screen but oh, like any good journalist both <laughs> both of those movies are truly about like the numbers and like the like any movie bad education included that can make discovering that companies don't exist seem like the most exciting thing in the world like that's just that's it's the best. You have to applaud that. Dark Waters, all of exactly. that Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like all of these movies, the subgenre is called They Knew All Along. Yes. And it's, yes. And it's great. And I loved it. <laughs> it's great. I, I will happily see it anytime. Yeah. And it really does. It takes like a very steady and gentle hand to make it feel tense to as tense to the viewer as it does to the characters because like you were saying Ella if it gets over sensationalized even a little bit you just lose you lose all of the stakes well because then it becomes awards bait but for all the wrong it becomes a kind of awards bait there's a very fine line between awards bait which deserves it because it's amazing and is like sincerely talented and I will happily give it all the awards me the person who decide, decides yes what, of course awards. um you run and... the marketing and you decide the awards <laughs> yeah, academy yeah, yeah, ceo yeah. Got it. Yeah. and i yes. run every section on the student newspaper <laughs> um yeah i mean there's a fine line between that kind of awards bait where i just think oh, i love this so much it should win everything and the other kind of awards bait where it's like you can see what certain voters will go towards but because it's been like just so overdone and just like embarrassing and bad um which is what I think this movie very, very easily could have been. I think that, um, I don't know how this movie could have got made and not been awards bait, but mm -hmm. I think it could have gone the other way. It could have been yeah. very bad. Yes. Um, which is great. Yeah, it's amazing. And like, I think that for years, this will be like a very sort of little underseen, little underappreciated gem. Oh, for sure. I think if I was Corey Finley, I would be showing this movie to anyone that would listen where i'd be like look you want to see how i make a fucking movie here you go slap that on the there table you, have an enjoyable hour and 50 minutes like it's such a good i mean it's a whole ass like released movie but it's such a good directing sample for him for sure yeah to be like you should basically trust me to make anything because it's just it's again it's just so rock solid it's very like extremely well directed um and it just feels so competent and so confident without like relying on flash yeah it's amazing folks do you love bad movies or bad educations or maybe good movies or good educations where are you going with this solomon look if you love any of those things but particularly the movies part mm. then i gotta tell you super yaki is the place for you well this one snuck up on me oh really oh truly shocking uh the team at super yaki loves movies and 
probably education. I mean, look, they're educating they're you educating, about underseen films. Absolutely. Um, and they have dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bringing you, to bringing us. Top. To bringing the students absolutely of, of super <laughs> oh the super yaki school of course of course how dare we forget everyone is going to be decked out in top quality merchandise to showcase your love for the movies t-shirts sweatshirts socks oh. books pencils mugs i'm going they have so much stuff in their shop These are i'm trying to highlight different things every every time yeah they really are school essentials no. what you are you going to go when you go to school you're going to want a shirt Fresh I would as hope hell. so. Looking You're great. You're a mug. Drink some coffee. Look, we all love Super Yaki. They bring you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride and with love. And they are eco-friendly. And, you know can... and they ship with compostable poly mailers. What is better? You can feel good about ordering from them. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you said you can wear it with pride, yeah. especially during this month. It is Pride Month. Talk about pride across the board, baby. It is the last week of Pride Month. And I will just say, if you care about this podcast, and if you care about gay rights, you oh. should use our code Absolutely. to order Super Yaki stuff if you want to support us. This is a very good way to do so. Now, listen. Listen, listen. I'm, I got all ears. A special gift to the listeners. Oh. The aforementioned code. Yes. For 10% off all of your Super Yaki needs. Absolutely. Is Super QQ. All caps, no spaces. Just use code Super QQ at checkout. You want to learn more about the movies? Educate yourself on some movies. And also um, support us if you support gay rights because like, of obviously, course. Yes, yes. Look, there's no question. Hugh Jackman does in this movie. Yeah. Oh, naturally. Yeah. You can find everything that you need at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. Let's watch more movies and educate, educate ourselves. Oh, nice. We didn't talk too much about the plot, but like, quick highlights i mean we basically covered everything we usually don't talk there about the plot unless education. it's like some weird underseen movie yeah. so this is hovering right on the <laughs> right on the on the line yeah, the yeah. hbo thing was this this was not with hbo max though this was no. just normal hbo this was this before, was before hbo max which is yeah. fucked up because this so like you mentioned the little things speaking of the little things did like i mention the you said no, like the little details. Oh, speaking of the little things, but like the way that the little things was sort of like one of the first big like HBO Max like day and date or whatever. Yeah, but like this should have had that or have been like a marketing tool for like this is like something you can get on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like right. instead of just like a normal HBO yeah. movie, it just feels like as we've you've as we've discussed, but the, the ball was fumbled so hard here. Yeah, it's just it just what 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 drives me mad about this whole thing is not only that it was buried and like it, that a movie that I liked was buried like that happens and I get annoyed but I think oh well you know maybe I have bad taste um but what 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 annoys me I've made my peace with that but what annoys <laughs> me about this one is that every single person who has seen it agrees that it's amazing so like I don't well, we, we all want the same thing I don't know who where is is um preventing the world from seeing this like everyone thinks it's amazing there's nothing to hide like there's nothing to bury there's no one there, there's no one problematic in this movie at any level anywhere no one's done anything wrong what like what happened i blame at&t mm. yeah that's who i blame yeah yeah you're saying a phone company didn't know how to own and operate a film studio careful jordan careful 
<laughs> getting a little too hot here. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this was this was actually right before, obviously before the pandemic, but before the whole like Warner AT&T insane merger business happened. Um, I even remember like, you know, a year and change ago, people at Warner being like, oh, ugh, I can't really talk about it. But like there's some weird shit going down. So like I assume it was just sort of like lost to the void in that way. Tragic. But hey, and that's we why we Warner have Discovery. this podcast, True. you know, oh, also that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. We do have Warner Discovery and it. It the hurts. best logo of all time. It really does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's why that's why we have things like the podcast and like intrepid journalism, which this podcast definitely is not. But I'm hitting the streets. It's important. We want to get the word out. So the plot you were saying. The plot. <laughs> Sorry. Just <laughs> super quickly. It'll take 90 seconds. It is about um, a superintendent, Hugh Jackman, at the Roslyn School District in Long Island and his assistant superintendent, Allison Janney, who have, as we find out over the course of the movie been cooking the books for years instilling upwards of condensed six or combined six million dollars from the taxpayers true do we do have we even said that it's based off a true story yeah okay it's based off a true story and the screenwriter said that (laughs) and the screenwriter attended Roslyn high school while the story was going down in 2002 2003 so he was there he was in the thick of it um and i think that's probably a big reason why the screenplay is so good because it feels like very real and very accurate very long island um but it's essentially about the cover-up and uh uncovering it through the the power of women in journalism Mm -hmm. um and overall it's just a really good time that's really basically it uh and obviously we highly highly recommend it i think a scene that i would like to highlight is when Hugh Jackman, you know, he's on his diet or whatever. He's has the shake. But when he and Alice and Janie are sitting on the bleachers and she has the pastrami sandwich and she feeds him. I was hoping him. someone would bring this up. <laughs> oh, my favorite scene in the movie. And he, she feeds him the pastrami sandwich. I won. There's never been a better looking pastrami sandwich in my life. Mm-hmm. I immediately was like, I just ate dinner, but I need to go like get a pastrami yeah, sandwich. Real, like, and two, also, yeah. my God, that scene is so <laughs> good. Like her just literally being like, you want some? Like you want to buy you this? want it. Like he's like a child, and he's like yes. <laughs> and I mean, also crucially, his his reaction, like the things his body does when he eats that pastrami sandwich, it's like you've you've got this right. Like everyone everyone feels this way, and you're the only person who has ever been brave enough to to act this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's stunning. I don't know if you know this about the UK, but it's really hard to find a good pastrami sandwich here. So uh, it no. is like torture. I mean, like there's. There's a couple of delis in London, I guess. There's some, but it's just, it's there's there's no competition. Like it's it's, it's bad. Um, I'm so, so sorry. It's, uh, I know it's it's a stressful time for me. Um, <laughs> generally in my life is post pandemic pretty much just like your story and journey to go get like a good pastrami sandwich is that what we're building towards yeah i mean i'm waiting so you know we're obviously having early conversations about like going back to toronto film film festivals and that kind of thing i said um to like some of my friends who live in new york they were saying like oh you're gonna come to toronto and i was like i mean i don't know if the festival is going to be hybrid or if it's going to be virtual whatever it is but i was like look what I tend to do when I go to Toronto is um, I make up an excuse and I say I'm going home via New York, which is just like insane. <laughs> the, just the, a the plane seven day layover. Like, the the, pla- the plane can go from Toronto to London, and like it, 
that's a thing planes do yes um, but no i i go via new york so that i can uh just like have a pastrami sandwich and um, most most times when i <laughs> whenever i go to new york like, to visit someone uh, i haven't been doing this deliberately but now that i think about it most times when i have gone um i have gone with my suitcase to like one of my favorite delis and just like had a sandwich and then eventually made it to like wherever i need to get to um so yeah so i'm thinking in september um whether if tiff doesn't happen in person um i'm just gonna go to new york and just like cover it virtually but yeah from there instead um so i can uh eat well you and your pastrami sandwiches hey yeah. you'll be on the same time zone there exactly. are a million excuses it's gonna, you it's can gonna make. be much better yeah um, well, one year you'll have to plan like some three-month extravaganza where you can hit tribeca and then hit tiff and then yes. like go back for like the london film festival oh it's gonna be immense well because because new york film festival obviously always happens straight after toronto and so yeah. like, i don't i basically have to choose between i mean oh poor me i have to choose these three international film festivals um i have to choose between venice toronto and new york um I always go for Toronto because yeah. Seems like do you know what Toronto one. had that the other festivals didn't have? Bad education. Bad education. Boom. <laughs> Boom. There it is. Yeah. That's it. I, are, so is it like this pastrami sandwich and the pastrami <laughs> sandwich in When Harry Met Sally? Because if so, like, wow, def- definitive real a like moments for me. Pastrami you know? sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Look, you can't have a New York Long Island movie without no. like a good deli no. sandwich. It must be had. It's yeah. true. Oh, this is making me upset now because I'm still in <laughs> London. Like, I mean, it's just, look, not, it's just not happening for me. We're in LA and there aren't that I many. I was going to say, but the, there are a few. The delis are, like, are had, few and far between. I had between. like one. I went to a Jewish deli. Fuck, when did I go? It was like a couple months ago, but it was like the best sandwich I think I've ever had in my life, and it was like a in LA. Sam- yes. And what? it was like transcendent. And, you know, in that one moment during the pandemic, I felt peace uh, for 30 seconds. And then like it all evaporated, obviously. But yeah. for that moment, I was like, wow. No one can okay. take that moment from you. Like, no, you, absolutely you had that. not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was really important. While you were eating the pastrami, you know, yeah, good great. for you. I don't really like sandwiches of this ilk sorry so. hang on you've let me sit here for an hour and a half and now you're just being like by the way i don't like sandwiches like this what are you is gonna the say bad next? education say, third act reveal like you're next gonna say oh that needle drop at the end of the film the moby one isn't perfect right is that what it's, you're gonna say next it's so perfect i okay. mean oh i would god. never Thank god the sacrilege i just okay this i don't is actually mean, a big reveal i, I don't know, know what you this didn't says. like sandwiches it's not okay i actually think i explained this to you a couple of days ago i like sandwiches that include some oh, sort of yes. heated element mm-hmm. so i pr- i'm vastly prefer a panini of some sort sorry sorry no i'm not having this no Love a good this. pastrami sandwich it's always warm. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. I'll take you to the place that I got my really good one from, and we'll have that shared good life experience. Okay, that yeah. sounds good. I'm, you know, I'll feed it to you like Alice and Janie. Oh, thank you. Okay, perfect. We'll recreate it. It'll I be love a it. good we'll time. We'll put shoot. it on Twitter. Oh, of course, <laughs> please. I need this. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Are you so you're pro warm or cold sandwiches? This is. I think um, it's warm sandwiches are better intrinsically. I mean, there's no question. Uh, well, okay, so this, so so this is what, right. This is, this important. is what is particular. <laughs> this is this journalism. Is this is important. <laughs> this is what is particularly special about a pastrami sandwich because it's both. Because the bread 
like it's cold like it's not it's not toasted yeah and i think like yes i like a toasted sandwich sure i like a panini but when you have a panini whatever's in it you're just like well it's 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 cheese and that's fine but you have to kind of you have to let go of the other things in the sandwich that you thought you were most interested in because all you're going to taste is cheese and then like a little aftertaste of whatever else is in there. Whereas if you have a cold sandwich, like, I don't know, like some kind of chicken sandwich, great, lovely, good for a picnic, that's fine. But, you know, towards the end of it, you're like, oh, it's a bit cold and it's a bit sticky and like, it's fine. But also I was more excited about this before. Now I feel like a little bit of shame. Um... Whereas a pastrami sandwich, you've got just there's none that there's Best none of any worlds. of that stress. It's just it's just all there, and the it's bread's perfect. good. The bread is the so bread good. The bread is so good. It's it's so fragrant. That's actually like, the one bread that I haven't been able to master. Jordan is an amazing baker. His quarantine hobby has taken off. The man yeah. is a master. But it's the like those types of breads are really hard for me. Like I could do like a great like wheat or harvest and things like that. But like the minute you get to like really good sandwich bread is really mm. tricky. Like cakes, fun, love decorating, but like specific types of sandwich bread. Fucking hard to get. Yeah. yeah. You'll get there. I believe in you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'll just keep embezzling until I have enough money to get there. There yeah. we go. I'll we'll single-handedly, as we f- are funding everything else, Ella is right. going to fund your, yeah. your baking oh empire. That's oh, <laughs> so oh, sweet okay. of you. <laughs> Look, if you... Okay, if if you had said, like, you wanted to start making paninis, I would have been like, you're, you're being ridiculous. Grow up. Get another hobby. Um, but because you're trying to make the most perfect sandwich of all sandwiches... Uh, it's my duty i i i have to help so um thank you yeah we got this yeah no we're good when we when we make the company we'll go international we'll have a spot in london we'll have an la we'll finally get you your london pastrami (laughs) (sighs) it'll be perfect i'm being mean like there are a few spots but they're just nowhere near as good um and no uh, yes it's a thing they know that they know that they 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 wake up every day and feel uh, dread um, feel they sense the you walking down the street and they're like fuck it's ella she's gonna come in here and scream at they us they know i'm just gonna stop in front of them like frown a little bit the way that like that you know they they think i'm gonna do the paddington hard stare at them and they're like yes. oh is she gonna come by today with a stare um and they feel terrible all, every day yeah. Mm. yeah yeah and that that's just unfortunate Something for them they have that's what they have to live with and that's okay yeah, yeah. you know just yeah. like the people in this movie have right. to live with you know not saying anything about insider trading or mm. embezzling six million dollars casual over the course we all of have 20 similar years. problems here i feel absolutely um, we look can if i relate. was gonna embezzle i would want like i don't know i wouldn't want a jet ski like i kind of want a jet ski well really yeah mm. although i i'm t- what actually you know the thing is those first class tickets those international first class tickets nice. i would hop on that i have flown first class one time it was a gift and i was like this was the Were worst idea ever because mm. now every time i get on a plane i'm gonna be like i know how good first you class get on is. spirit airlines and you're like i hate it here <laughs> first on spirit absolutely not like i was like i just never should have done i should have rejected Mm. this gift because now it's like i live every flight with the knowledge that i could be having like three mimosas and a hot meal wow it's that sounds great too yeah oh my god it's amazing it's important (laughs) it's it's a little we do we do talk about food a lot lot. (laughs) accidentally it's a good it's a good topic too as we were saying though before 
the plot wraps up, Pat Healy was the man that I want to bring up, who's the DA, who I think comes in and delivers some great line readings where he's just like, oh, and he's just like, like the way he like asks questions is so condescending, but also it's just beautiful. And I just want to highlight him for one moment as the DA in the end. That's all. Yeah, he's amazing. This is a a film filled with great under unknown character actors that are just coming in, delivering the goods. Big fan of Phil, the auditor. Great. Phil innocent. Honestly, kind of sucks <laughs> that he got his arrest. We haven't, like, Raphael Casal. Is that his name? Right. Yes. 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 Like, uh, the person he has an entire new relationship with in Vegas. He's that, just incredible. Their meet cute is actually really cute. Their chemistry it's is really good. Incredible. Mm-hmm. It's, they're, they're dancing. I just. It's okay. So now I need to mention uh, my friend Jack King, who is a journalist who who writes about uh, who writes about queerness a lot, and he is just a very brilliant writer. Um, and he he talks about that scene all the time, and just became um, obsessed with that song. Um, I know this song. What's it called? Is it in my in my life in this world? Um, it's it's by Moby. I know that. Yeah. Um. Jordan's better at this than I am, and it's not on the me. Wikipedia. Can you believe? Oh, okay. I think yes. it's in this world. I I don't. Oh, I need to find this now. Um, in the let's see. Moby. I don't know. Lack of education. <laughs> I'm trying to Google it's things. This, and... It's in this world. Okay. okay, you were right. Um. So, uh, Moby in this world. Yeah. So Jack King talks about this scene all the time. And um, and he's right. I think it's just, um, it's stunning. And I think what it does particularly well is that everyone knows that song. Um, and I think it's one of those songs that everyone knows and then doesn't know how they know it or where it's from. And then, and to be in that scene at that moment, it, like, it makes no sense. Like, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I've never been in the club or at a party or anywhere and fucking In This World by Moby comes on and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go in now. I know, everyone loses their shit. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd been meaning to make this move on that guy. Yeah, I'm going to do that now to this song. Like, who has ever thought about a Moby song? And like, I don't know, he's, there's, uh, I haven't seen it, but Moby um, has just released his new documentary. Moby Doc. Right. Um, uh, I haven't seen it. I've heard exclusively terrible things. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't want to watch it. Like he doesn't inspire uh, any kind of confidence in me whatsoever. Like I. I don't care about him at all. Um, which is why I feel like that scene is just. I guess wild how good it is and how perfect that song is and how beautiful that moment is. Um, someone else I want to shout out is David Ehrlich, who uh, used that track. King. at um at the end of his uh video for mm-hmm. the, the 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 best films of 2020 last year yeah and um he also loves bad education and i think it was on that list somewhere as well anyway i believe that um, yeah. no it's a great yeah. it's, it's the brilliance of like a good needle drop is like yeah. really whether it like help you know it's like that thing of like how does it help the story how does it tie in how is it just a needle yeah. drop for a needle drop but it's like as you said it's really the one where you're just like I know this. I'm feeling something. What am I feeling? But like the it's then the, the way the characters like, react. Yeah. yeah, it's the needle drop. The best needle drops, I think, are the ones where it happens, and you're like, "Oh my god, I would have never thought of that." And then it happens, and you're like, "Fuck, this is genius." Whereas, mm-hmm. I mean, there's another category of needle drops that I love, which like 
um, I was watching Feel Good season two today, oh, Mae Martin's show. Yes. Which, have you watched it yet? I have not watched it yet. Okay. But I don't. I don't want to ruin it. But I, it's okay. I'm not. I won't say that. I won't like. I won't say the needle drop. But there, in in the last episode, there is a needle drop that comes in, which um, makes complete sense. It's a song I really, really love. Um, and but when it came on, the second it came on, I was like, oh yeah, like of course this is it. Like mm. yeah, that makes complete sense. And it was lovely and it was great. Um, and I mean that's not <laughs> that's not May Martin's fault for having great taste in music. Um, but. Yeah, I, I think it can go one of two ways where you're like, this makes complete sense and I understand it. Or, oh my God, I would have never thought of that. That makes complete sense. And I feel like the Moby Needle drop at the end of Bad Education is the one that you'd have just never imagined. And it's like really weirdly like tender, but also really epic and quite scary and sad romantic and sad and like and the way that that they're dancing it's so sexy like oh my god like they're huge post like quarantine mood like like anybody me at the club if you want to do this it's out there thanks jordan no but like no but it's also so good because like the dubstep that's going on before too is like the most generic like thump thump Mm. thump and then it just hard pivots yeah. to this song which is yeah. like exactly. so tonally mm-hmm. different yeah. you're just like oh i mean i tell you what the tonal up. shift reminded me of which i'm not saying this movie is good in any way whatsoever in comparison um the tonal shift in uh love actually when they are <laughs> when they're at the christmas party i always think of this because uh they're at the christmas party and um oh, i can't remember which two characters i think it's alan rickman Man. with and uh, with his secretary, his secretary. Yeah. and and they're, and they're dancing to it's um it's it's a Justin Timberlake track. I can't remember which one it is. God, I've cl- I've seen this, this will tell you so how often, long. how recently we watched it. It's, it's a Justin Timberlake one. It's oh, it's the one where he goes, "Ain't nobody love you like I love you." Yeah, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't remember that one. Anyway, <laughs> that one. Um, and it's very fast paced. And then um, <laughs> there's like the most um cheesy and cheap like record scratch where you can hear it going like um that's what records do um and then it just flips into Nora uh turn me on by Nora Jones yeah um and I just found it very funny how like, just like yeah like they're not even trying to hide it or segue in any way um that's what the shift in bad education reminded me of. I don't need to talk about love action anymore. I'm done. <laughs> That's all. And that was the love action corner. Yeah. yeah. Gotta have it. Um, look, it's amazing. I love that close up when they're just like slow dancing and mm-hmm. it's Hugh Jackman's head on his shoulder. Just, yeah. Raphael yeah. Casal is honestly, I, I, again, Call a me. sort of, yeah. Yeah. Truly. Like, but he reminds me of so many of the actors in this movie where like he has the versatility. He mm-hmm. has like sort of this like grounded nature to him. I mean, oh. like him in this verse blind spotting is like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, what performances? Yeah. yeah. And like such a pull. I mean, look, the scene when they're in the diner in Vegas and it's just, I mean, look, so much could be written and spoken about how characters look at each other and how that can like literally mm. mean everything in a diner too in a diner speaking of heat speaking from of, last week well um, i was thinking like moonlight but oh also yeah. Heat, yeah but also Di- also when harry mits oh my god so many good diners yeah i mean promising like, young woman is a hey. fucking weird diner scene uh but i mean memorable yes <laughs> we don't have time to talk about that whole movie yeah definitely not but yes i mean it's just like it's so 
I also I love seeing this. We've definitely talked about this before on the podcast, but I love seeing this with like, especially when it's like assumedly straight actors playing queer characters. Mm -hmm. I love to like see it in their eyes. I think like that really sets it apart because it's like the way that Hugh Jackman and Raphael Cassell look at each other, specifically in that diner scene, like it's, it's very sexy. It's very intimate. Hugh holds the gaze for a long time without saying anything. We'll look away. Mm -hmm. I mean the, God flirting, uh, the pause between or before, do you want to try somewhere else? So when they go up to his hotel room, it's like, but then it's so good. But I feel like they, what makes it amazing is you know, what's going to happen. But also, you, you like you, you really don't until you it does, don't. and no. that is, it's very rare. I think you, it's the kind of thing where like from the second they meet, you could be like, I know exactly how I want this to end up, like where I can see their chemistry could take them. Um, and again, like coming back to the way my parents saw this film, until the second they were kissing each other, my parents were like, are they, are they, or no, they're, no. And then, and they, they were trying to correct each other. I think, I think my mom was like, hang on. And my dad was like, no, this is student, keep up. And I was like, I just like, oh, right, okay, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> so they were like trying to correct each other, be like, oh, you're being silly. Don't interpret that. Um, that's amazing. Uh, Your parents are amazing to yeah. watch movies. Like. We've, we've, yeah, we've watched some interesting movies. We've we'll get a... them. On, we'll get them on the pod. Oh my gosh! Yes, I mean, Sorry. yeah. The the I'm I, just very very briefly with my dad in particular. Um, uh, is very happy to like watch movies that I recommend, and um, I wanted to show him Uncut Gems, uh, because it's very good, but also because um, he is a, a Jewish jeweler. Um, so I was like, you, this this we'll have a good time. Um, so we watched it. And I'd already seen it. And then the movie ended. And I kind of like, I wait for him to, you know, to, to give me his review and stuff. And he just shook his head. And he was just like, he was like, balmy film. And then he just left the room. <laughs> and like, that was it. That was like all he ever said about it. Like, are you sure? Unmatched. There's a lot happening in this movie, Dad. Unmatched. Yeah, that, was, that, 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 that was all. Sometimes um, oh, that's my all God. <laughs> that would stress me out. I would be like, oh, no. That's it? It's, what does it mean? Wild. Yeah. And then like sometimes he'll go off just with like with you can't get him back. Promise young woman, we um we, we had a difficult few days about that movie. <laughs> we had a difficult few days. My favourite was The Irishman, where um I watched it in October when it was playing at London Film Festival. Um and, and I told my dad I was gonna see it and he was like, Oh, brilliant movie. And I was like, Dad, you you haven't like you haven't seen it. Um and he was like, oh, but there's like, you know, there's actors. There's no way it's not going to be brilliant. I was like, sure, but also you haven't seen it. Um, and then that's another one we watched on Christmas Day and we paused it. <laughs> we, we, we drew it out over about eight hours and we paused it like every time we need to make more food or something. Um, and at every point throughout the day, like when we when we were on a break from it, he'd just be like, he'd, he'd be sat at the table eating his Christmas lunch and just be like, oh, what a brilliant movie, oh, what a brilliant <laughs> film, what a brilliant film this is. Um <gasps> I mean, he was right, but uh, also, a great this is dad. I mean, making my great day. dad take because <laughs> yes. it is a good movie. Also, the, probably the best way to like take it down is like over a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it worked really well. Like, we all really enjoyed it because we kept coming back to it each time, and like, you know, we'd we'd kind of taken a break and we had a breather, and like, we just yeah, it was great. Would recommend watching The Irishman over eight hours. A great mm. family movie. As Marty wanted it. Yes, yeah. as Marty intended. That's mm-hmm. basically how, I would mean I was alone, but I did watch it over, I think, in like three sittings. But it was quick sittings. You know, I just went, I got some food, I came back, I watched it. It's good. It's great. I yeah. love that movie. We both, movie. we both really like that great. movie. Great. Yeah. Good ice cream. Speaking of food in that movie. Quality ice cream. 
One thing, just to, I'll tie it back. Go for real it. Real clean. The leak, I feel like in, because we've talked a lot about like how, like the system. And I feel like the, just the specific leak that the movie has. It's like one of those things where like your whole movie can sort of be distilled into like one image. And like that image of the janitors or just of like the roof having the leak, I feel like is sort of what this whole movie is the whole presentation of like you think everything is good but just like a couple drops and it's like the whole like rot of everything comes Mm. out and it's just so brilliant how everything thematically ties together in this movie yeah and you can ignore you can ignore a leak for years because if the leak's not getting bigger it's just it's just an annoying thing that exists which is there it'll stop in like a couple minutes like it's fine yeah yeah and then it never does but as long as it doesn't get worse you're like i can live with this problem that I don't point to or don't tell anyone about for years. Um, but that's not the case. That's and not it's the actually case. really clever. It's amazing. Um, I mean, very smart of them too, to have the leak actually tie into, you know, the, the plot. Movie. Because so yeah. often when there's like a device like that, it's like, yes. And then there is the leak, capital right. T, capital L, the leak. But it's Bold, like... underlined, italicized. Exactly. But it's what makes... Uh, Geraldine be like I don't understand you're like paying six million for this skywalk and uh, the high school's leaking right like what are you saying about appearances what are you saying about faking appearances creating this thing that you're actually not oh good oh brilliant brilliant all right Ella, was there anything else that you wanted to mention about this film before we move into our little wrap up here? Um, I love this movie very much. Mm. Um, and I think, I think, I think, I do think that it's not something that <laughs> I'm not going to get less angry about its release over the years because I feel like, um, I feel like it's a really important piece of work for everyone involved. Um, I think it's not. I think everyone involved in this film has not done enough... Oh, there's going to be a big statement here. Um, I think everyone involved has not made enough other stuff on the same level as this Mm. that this can just be considered one of many great things that everyone has done. Obviously, Hugh Jackman, Alison Janney, they've done so many amazing things. But the specific type of performance that they, they do in this film I is, is not like those performances I haven't seen them do those kind of performances in anything else and um so yeah like I don't I, I I want it to somehow come back at some point I mean it's not gonna happen but I'll I'll, I'll keep being angry about it I think yeah. I think that it will sort of achieve like this this exciting underseen film status that like does happen to the because it's it's a total crowd pleaser like you Mm -hmm. said you can basically show it to everyone so I think like I think in later years it will definitely like rise to the top because it's so good and maybe we'll be like one of the like the most incredible movies ever made that nobody saw one Mm -hmm. of those things I'll be like a five-year retrospective on it so I have I have faith that things that are authentically good and appeal to a large group of people will eventually like become seen in their own right it's very optimistic. It's very, of you. it is very optimistic. Of I me. hope you're right. I, I really want to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong. Mm-hmm. In my head canon, Alice and Janie's character in this is the same one in Ten Things I Hate About You, where she's just <laughs> moved to a new school district. You know, she was so writing. She's writing smut under writing. the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah. I will also one last shout out 
is to the lighting in this movie. I have never seen a movie that has better overhead fluorescent lighting. Everyone mm, looks, looks terrible gross. in yes. overhead fluorescent yes. lighting, and this movie is very accurate about that. It looks, it's also I like everyone in high that. school, when we have like Geraldine, the shots of her in the high school, like everyone actually looks like they're in high school. Totally. Which I really like. I'm like, oh yeah, right. Like we all looked and didn't know how to dress well like especially this in 2003 right. right yeah very good 2003 fashion absolutely yeah all right jordan shall we do okay. you do you want to guess the average letterbox rating? i would love to okay in my head thinking what i gave it and knowing how letterbox works i'm just gonna go right on a limb three nine i think it has the swoop up and then nothing after okay uh, Ella, would you like to put in a guess? You don't have um, to. I'm, I'm going to go 3.8. I think some people might not get it. Okay. Guys. Neither of us? It's a 3.7. Ah. Right? Right? It's, wow. it's just a little too low. Most, a staggering amount of people gave this four stars. In my opinion, not enough people gave this four and a half or five stars. Right, I feel like this is a four baseline, and then you can go up. Right. You know? Yes. Mm. Like, no one should be yeah. giving this movie three stars, three and a half I'll stars. I'll tell you it who gave this movie better. three stars. Nobody who saw this film uh, in a cinema gave this film three stars. The people who gave this film three stars are people who watched it at home. Yes, I'm going to keep pointing my finger. Um, the people who watched it at home. <laughs> She's pointing at you, the listener. <laughs> they watched it at home, and it's a movie that they watched at home because people told them to watch it, but they were on their phone the whole time. I've done it. We've all done it. But... Because they were on their phone, they didn't see the performances. They didn't see the overhead lighting. They were just like, I'm going through the motions because it's a true story about an embezzlement and it's something that I have to have watched. And then they didn't take it in and then they gave it three stars. That's what happened. So rude. And I'll just say, this is a difficult movie to look away from unless you're checked out from the beginning. I watched it on my TV last night and I was like glued the whole time. And I've already seen it like twice. All I it had was to do was better take the on rewatch than the first one. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was already, like living. You know what's yeah. coming. Ugh. So it's good. great. Well, that being said, let's roll on in to our queer quadrant Chugga ratings. Chugga choo, yeah. Chugga choo choo. Okay. Well, I, Ella, you're very lucky because we got a nice, easy movie on the QQ scale today. Usually we're like bending over backwards to be like, okay, what can we pull out of this one? <laughs> I but, think they would kiss in that. I don't know. Yeah, one, I mean, I, uh, I'm well, you go for it. Lead her off. Look, look. If it's a really good movie and there's, you know, uh, I, yeah, rock solid yeah. representation, yeah. you gotta go five yeah. star. Yes. <laughs> yeah. L- okay. Can, do you have anything you want to add into that? Um. Yeah. I mean, look. This is a movie that has like a very sensitively handled and accurate and like really moving mm-hmm. gay relationship at the center of it. Hell yeah. Um. And you know everything that is sort of moving around it informs it as well. And like if you think about the overall themes, it also ties in to the central relationship. It's just kind of like a really beautifully constructed movie with performances to match. And how. How can I knock that? So I love it. That's I all love I have it. to say. Jordan? Oh, one, two, three, four, five. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, I'm so happy for this to join what? Ripley? Ripley and Kiss Kiss Bang Kiss, Bang. Kiss, and, and I think Rocket Man. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Well, hard for Rocket Man not to be. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I think this is like absolutely a five. And it's also brilliant because it's, as you mentioned, it's like not just about his queerness. And like we so talk about that so much. And like it's just cool when you have a queer character just sort of in your movie. And it can be a villain, it can be a hero. But when it's like not 
intrinsic or like the plot isn't just like look at this where we it's just three dimensions around them yes oh you want a fully fleshed out character what a concept Whoa. yeah <laughs> I, I mean i got nothing else to say fat five stars love it yeah love it. i'm yeah. so happy that you went with it because <laughs> I, I was so nervous i was like am i i was like is it gonna be bad if i give it a, a five are you are you giving it five? Oh, hundred percent like i yeah look at that. obviously it's it's just it's amazing like everything everything you have said and more it's 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 so sober yet very sensitive um very very stylized in certain ways and very funny and very ridiculous but you always know who you are laughing with and you always know what the facts are who fucked up who's terrible um and everyone's sexuality exists in parallel to that yeah um and it's really important but not like not the problem they have so many more problems apart from who they want to sleep with like that's the least of their problems oh, truly really? truly oh. I would love for this to happen for bisexuality one day because I feel like just where there's like a nuanced, lovely portrayal. Like with that, how do you feel about Atomic Blonde? It almost made our five star list. Yeah, it was very close. But I feel like just one of these for that. So close. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Yes, this is us. Oh, add this to right. So marketing production <laughs> baking this okay cool we need yeah. to just start a studio that right. has like a little side bakery Guys, and also yeah. yeah and you know we're like shadow funding the oscars so we can control yeah. who gets yeah, yeah. yeah. They, i it's, mean they need they need some help they really do it's a full we'll, plan we'll produce it this year yeah seriously Plugin, please i mean i'm not sitting through another one of this year's again what the uh, fuck was just this? give me clips from the movies <gasps> i just love... to remind everyone right. uh, i am on youtube UK time right oh my so god can you imagine like, seeing that bullshit at four in the morning i was just gonna ask what oh my god it yeah. was like i <laughs> it was that's so a lot fucking awful oh, i had a terrible time yeah i'm I so sorry job. yeah hey Blame we love it we were we i think <laughs> two bottles of wine deep Absol- oh, yeah. by the time we were having we were, i mean we were having a, a grand time rolling into the best picture yeah, yeah. yeah. so this was, this started as us watching basically like every award show that we could together so well, it is tradition uh, at this point the oscar parties and the oscar parties which will have a comeback yes. um and oh, yes you know we'll fly you over first class two Please. tickets to yeah, join two, us two, two tickets, tickets. <laughs> yeah. um yeah i love it ella Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for joining us. A delight. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Oh. Sorry for talking about sandwiches. Oh, I talked about it for so long. <laughs> no, truly, there is that was nothing important. better. We love tangents. We talked about uh, takeout pizza for mm-hmm. like twenty minutes on the American Psycho episode. The difference between important. cakes and cookies, you know, cookies. on These our, our magic conversations to film yeah. criticism. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I yeah. agree. Um, Wait. Uh, sorry. No, go for it. Actually, really important question. What was the best movie that you reviewed for your newspaper? Or is there like a movie that you're Ooh. most proud of for your like journalism at in, the time? In the, f- the fledgling stage of your journalist. Yeah. Um, Beginnings. I don't... I really... Oh, I, I, <laughs> I really liked Battle of the Sexes. Good I movie! Remember. Also <laughs> queer. Thinking, yeah, I remember just... I think I think it was it was the first London Film Festival that I went to, and I I found out that I could go 
like get accreditation with the student newspaper, which just blew my mind. Um, and so I went to see that and I remember feeling like very emotional. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought it was amazing. Um, and yeah, probably that one. Although, I mean, the, the one article that stands out is um, uh, my purely because my flatmate in my first year of university for our secret Santa present, um, he decided that he would uh, frame my first ever article that was published in print, um, which is, uh, so it's still hanging on my bedroom wall. And like, and I found it quite cute at the time because like, I knew that I liked writing, but I didn't fully know that like I wanted to be a journalist right. or something. So yeah. part of me was like, this is really, I, it was very emotional. I thought it was really lovely. And we're still friends. Um, and and then part of me was like, are you jumping the gun a little bit? Like, are you sure this is gonna stick? Um, because he'd written, he'd like printed out the date and he wrote the first of many, like in the Aww. box. This is so cute. But so I still have that frame up in my room. So it was, um, there's a there's a radio station here called Radio One uh, and Zane Lowe is, well, at the time he was one of the DJs on it. And uh, he rescored, well, proposed a rescoring of Drive. So he'd got Ooh. loads of different artists to like submit tracks for this. Um, so I reviewed like that. Um, the funny thing is that the article is like, is really bad and like no one's ever going to read it um, because it's not on the internet anywhere. But like, you know, when a friend comes over and they see it in my room, they're like, oh, what's this? And I'm like, no, let's go out and like into a different room. And I'm like, you don't get to read this. Um, anyway, so that was I love my that. I love that. That is so cute. <laughs> and it like, you kind of have to have something bad. Like mm. my parents have saved a lot of my terrible early screenwriting from when I was mm. in high school. And they're oh, like, yeah. oh, we love this. It's so good. You're and I'm like, like, I can't believe you like put this in like a book. This should, this should never have seen the light of day no. in the first place. It's, it's the thought that counts. I you mean, know? look, I don't want to read anything I wrote like three months ago. Uh, oh, <laughs> like, exactly. Never alone, mind. Like, like, years ago. I mean, yeah. this was in like 2014. So, um, yeah, no, no thanks. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Definitely There was not. a, just for a quick thing for, as when I was like, I think six or seven, my dad was like, we're going to, because I was like very into movies. He was like, you know what? Like, I know this person at the newspaper, like we're going to email them. We'll have like a kid. Like, so basically, like, I reviewed one movie for the Cape Cod Times. You did? And when you were, like, seven or whatever? When I was, like, seven, whatever? and it was oh Jumper. And I gave the the most glowing review of Jumper, which is not a great movie. And Jordan. when I went home, I found the review, and I'm like, wow, terrible. But the only thing that is stuck is that my love of Jamie Bell was still at a very young age. I was like, this Jamie Bell, like, supporting character? Great. Love him. He should be in more. I'm <laughs> and you were right. I'm keeping that take. Exactly. I think that that just shows how powerful the Jamie Bell stand-up can be. Dude, from childhood. Yes, absolutely. Jamie Bell also, you know, still has always Oh, the greatest. Come on. We know. Oh, sorry. I have to share my Jamie Bell anecdote now. Oh, please do. I have a Jamie Bell anecdote. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm I'm very proud of this. Uh, So uh, two, three years ago, whenever Rocketman was coming out, um, that was a time when the Curzon po- podcast had existed and uh, I, I, I worked a lot with, with the Curzon podcast um, and uh, my friend Jake Jake Cunningham, who who produced the podcast, he had said to me, he was like, do you want, he, he had said to me, do you want to interview Jamie Bell for the podcast for Rocketman? And I was like, absolutely, I've seen it. Yeah, great movie, love him, brilliant. Um, and he had said, he was like, oh great, it's on the 2nd of May. Um, and And then I was like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's my birthday. And then, and then, and then I stopped for a second. And I was like, 
no you can you can speak to jamie bell on your birth like obviously <laughs> that's a real birthday do- present <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so so i was like i was like no ignore me don't worry actually no i'll do it obviously um so so well, i i go up to and it was like i think it was it was this it was the start of the day so it was like the first thing that i was going to go and do before like my big day of whatever and i thought oh you know i'm not going to mention this to jamie bell because why would i use jamie bell and like you know i'm me um but I turned up and I was like, oh, hi, how are you doing? He was like, yeah, I'm good. How are you? And I was like, yeah, good. And then, and there was just kind of like a bit of a beat before we started the interview. And, and, and for some reason he then was just like, do you have many plans today? And I was like, well, actually. <laughs> do I? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, well, actually it's my birthday today. And he was like, really? Wow. And like, and he was really excited. And he was like, oh, happy birthday. And I was like, oh, thank you. Lovely. Oh, oh. Um, and that was like wow. before we started recording because obviously it was for the podcast. Um, and then I started recording and, and you know, the interview was fine. Um, and then he made sure, like once I had finished saying my spiel at the end, I was like, oh, it's been a cousin podcast. He made sure to be like, and it's her birthday. Wish her happy birthday. <laughs> Jamie. That is the coolest thing oh, ever. So good. And then and then and then he was really nice and like left the room while I was packing up all my stuff. And then I went out into the hallway. I was walking back to to the lift and I saw that he was like a bit further down the corridor. And I don't talk to these people because they're you know, I'm not friends with him. And he was again, he was like, Again, happy birthday. And I was like, stop. I'm smiling I'm so I'm big so right now. Dead. I just love Jamie Bell so wow. much. We're so vindicated. <laughs> I love every story that we've heard about him just makes him seem like the nicest man in existence. Oh, yeah. oh Which my is God. true, I'm sure. That's yeah. so... Did, was that like your best birthday? Had to be. Um, yes. Like, hands down, probably. I can't remember what else I did on that day. Like, right. It's all, it's all a blur now. It's all about but Jamie yeah, Bell. But you remember yeah. that story. Wow. Yeah. I will yes. always have that story. Of course. We will always have Jamie Bell. We will. Yeah. Well, if people want more Jamie Bell anecdotes Very or nice. obviously want to check out any of your <laughs> writing or podcasting, where should they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ella underscore Kemp. Um, you can read me on NME, on Letterboxd, Empire. Uh, oh, you can pitch me. Uh, at the quietest or at massive cinema or at girls on tops you can pitch me everywhere love um, girls on tops oh, my personal fave <laughs> um, out of interest which which t-shirts do you have well <sighs> andrea yeah, arnold first. lynn ramsey i think i think i have one more uh greta Gerwig, i think i have two of andrea arnold actually and kelly reichardt this is very cool of us yeah. i was gonna say i was gonna say like <laughs> You have you don't have any recent ones there. The Kenny Redcott one's quite good, right? Oh my god, I love with all of the uh, the design around it. It's just gorgeous. Fun Moo. fact about that shoot: I shouldn't. I mean, I shouldn't ruin these secrets at all, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> that's the whole for, point of a podcast. That's the whole point of a podcast. Uh, for that shoot, we had been planning for months. We were like, right, we're going to go to the forest. Obviously, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to go to the forest. We're going to have a lovely day. Um, and I don't know how uh, closely you've been following the weather in the UK or like there's no reason why you should. Um, <laughs> it's been raining a lot. It's been raining a lot. Like summer. So uh, for context, today is the 5th of June um, and the sun has come out for about like the last eight days. And before that, it'd been raining for about five months straight. Um, and anyway, so on the day of the shoot, which was a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah, I turned up and it was like a fucking torrential 
downpour and storm. And and Louisa, who runs Girls on Tops, she was texting me. She was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. We can't do this. And I was on the train and I was like, don't worry, it's fine. I was like, rain doesn't show up on the camera. It's completely fine. You know, I'll fix the colors and everything. But I got off the train and just like the wind everywhere. I was like, this this is this is hell. Like, we can't do this. Um, so we ended up shooting in her back garden. Mm. Well, it's a beautiful pictures are. Lovely, lovely shoot. Um, it, the rain could have fit the movie, you know, for thinking like first cow, you know. Like not so great for the equipment, man. It's just, okay. it's just, it's just, it's crucially, it's the people who are in the t-shirts look like they don't want to Drenched. be alive anymore. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, it, they, yeah. They're deeply, deeply distressed, um, which uh, is not a great vibe. Really. No. No, just not two skeletons buried holding hands. Yeah, not great. Sorry. Yeah, well, you know, girls on tops, et cetera, great. et cetera. All great. Everything that you do is lovely, and I look forward every time oh. I see a new piece from you. Well, as thank I'm sure you. Jordan oh, we're does huge as well. fans. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, we, we are obviously not as exciting, but we are also on Twitter too often. <laughs> um, I'm at Brooke B. Solomon. At Jordan H. Gus. And we are together at Queer Quadrant. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Tell us about your intrepid journalism stories or maybe your favorite pastrami sandwich. I don't know who's to also say. important. Up to you. Um, tweet at us. Tell us what you think about this movie. Help us with the bad education stand agenda it needs to be had um and also tell us what you would like us to cover in the future beautiful speaking, speaking of, of the future yes speaking of we're the looking into our glass and what is on the the horizon next week we are covering stand by me to kick off july dun, um done 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 a Sorry. really nice beginning, quote unquote, beginning of summer movie. Um, so tune in for that with some Cannot super exciting wait. guests. Very excited, but we'll keep it um, a secret until oh. next week. Ooh. <laughs> wait till next week to have it spoiled in the title. Yeah, literally. Yes. You'll know. Anyway. I love. And Brooke, do you have anything you'd like to leave our audience with? Yeah. I mean, look, we've covered the prestige before on this podcast. And we've I think, done the prestige. Yeah. I think if there's one thing that Hugh Jackman covered over mm. or, you know, carried over from the prestige to this movie, it's that a dead wife can get you out of anything. Oh. <laughs>